of wisdom tonight because we're supposed to answer listener questions. Are you sure it's wisdom you're full of? No. no. <laughs> I'm full of uh, some day-old pizza provided to us by our uh, guest tonight, uh, left over from a uh, youth group. But I am excited to uh, try to answer some of these. are some good questions we got. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, another question and answer time period we've got going on here. Uh, so excited to uh, introduce our guest today, Sean. Sean, how you doing, man? Doing all right. Thanks. Uh, so for those of you who uh, maybe don't remember or maybe haven't listened that far back, Sean was on with us when we uh, interviewed Chris Date most recently back in the fall. And then um, before that, when we had uh, Tom Schreiner on. So Man, I, I didn't even remember, dude. Sean, not that you are an unmemorable person. It's just that you're more forgettable. I hear it all the time. Good, good, good. Yeah, so this is your third appearance. It's true, yeah. My wife actually uh, forgot me. They went to New York, and they didn't even realize it was a yeah. car. <laughs> Tom Alone 7 or whatever that is, right? They, they realized Sean wasn't with them. Uh, that's pretty nice, man. That's awesome. Hey, uh, we were talking about it beforehand. When uh, Hannah is away... Are there like movie? Like I always say, that's when I watch my diehard binge thing. The stuff Lisa doesn't want to watch. Mm-hmm. The rare time that I'm home alone for a day or two. Do you have a movie genre or a hobby or something that you can throw yourself into? There are a few horror films that I like, but Hannah totally doesn't like them. So yeah. I, I will save them until she is not there. Last nice. time I watched Bone Tomahawk, so we'll see what. Oh, I saw yeah. that, man. Yeah, it was, it was pretty. That is intense. It's pretty intense, yeah. Wow, did you see that one, dude? I didn't. I kind of nah. dug it, though. It was different. I've never seen it. It like was that. different. It, it definitely was not cliche formulaic. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we need Bartleball on, man, to dissect that with his cinematic eye. But it is, uh, nice. you know, that's Kurt Russell Yep, uh, is in it. And it is, um, it's funny. When I think of a Kurt Russell old Western setting, you think Tombstone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This ain't yeah. Tombstone. No. No, it is grisly, <laughs> brutal. And yeah. some shocking things take place, but uh, yeah, like when they're in that cave thing. Yeah, that's wow. the that's kind of seared in my mind. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, man, what's on the uh, agenda for tonight or tomorrow? Whenever you get another chance. You know, I don't. I don't know. I haven't planned that far ahead. Yeah. I uh, the Dempsey's let me borrow Red One and Two, but I think Hannah would dig those, so I might wait. Nice. Is that I don't the know. Bruce Malkovich, Bruce Willis. Bruce yeah. Willis. I yeah, never yeah, saw yeah. those movies. Yeah. Were, yeah. were they good? Yeah, they were. Yeah, I hear good things. I've, yeah. I've, never, I've never seen, seen them, them either. Dude, I'm, I'm making a note of that, dude. Nice. <laughs> Putting it on my queue right here during the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, dude, it might be an opportunity to get into a what Nathan and I think should be an Emmy Award winning show, Ash versus the Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. Mm. Right? Oh, yeah. I have seen all the movies. So. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the movies are kind of like the when Hannah's not home thing that I'm exactly yeah. <laughs> when uh, Hannah's not home. you no can come home while you're watching. I would say the show is probably in that same yeah, vein, if not more game. so. Nathan and I uh, watched that. We're, we're stalled because we were just saying our schedules have been so crazy lately uh, yeah. with job changes and all, just all kinds of you know kids activities and that sort of thing. We are halfway through season two. Yes. of Ash. So we need another Chinese feast, yeah, yeah. and to sit, Finish chill, up, and watch yeah. three or four episodes in a row, which we yeah. will do. So I'll, I'll tell you, a couple of high schoolers asked me if I watched that show a yeah. few months back, and I said, you know, I've never heard of it, but it sounds pretty groovy. Oh, and, uh, oh that nice. was that was my PC way of answering their uh, yeah <laughs> their questions. So, but I I have not seen the show though. So very that's nice. very good. That was man. right on, man. I want to outdo it. I can't. It's too good. 
Too good. <laughs> I was gonna. I, I, I was thinking of a comment, and then I was like, I can't say it on the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I did have a couple things pop into, pop into my head. But, uh, I mean, maybe you could get away with whichever one it is. Uh, was it two or when he uh, – Army of Darkness. Well, that's just pillow talk, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> the whole churros. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, the churros during the TV thing. Yeah, yeah. I got a feeling we might get a call tonight that comes close to that, but we'll we'll see. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, but before we get there, uh, you know, it's been a while since we've mentioned our sponsor uh, on air. Yeah. Uh, kind of took a little break from that, but they, they have officially re-signed with us, so... Uh, Greg, take it away with Mission Aware. MissionAware.com. Be looking, friends, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, wherever these Go211 podcast social media presence is found, uh, to be looking at your host wearing some awesome swag coming soon. That's right. Uh, great place for posters. Obviously, we've talked before. I mean, they've got the entire uh, Book of Romans mm-hmm. uh, spelled out, cool print. In poster form, yeah. you can get in different colors. Uh, you know, I always mention your your uh, morning surge with Spurge. You know, great way to start the day with a Spurge and coffee mug, Calvin T-shirt. Uh, I don't know if they have any Zwingli. We have to check. But mm. uh, I have checked. Mission Aware has not, to my knowledge yet, uh, offered the Benny Hinn line. But um, <laughs> Mission Aware, I don't think, might be doing that. But they do have some other What about great Kenneth stuff. Copeland? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the mission aware Kenneth. You know what? They're going to listen to this podcast and say, we retract our stipend for this spot tonight. No, mission aware does not have the Kenneth Copeland or the um, or the uh, Jimmy Swaggart line or anything else I can think of, uh, the Benny Hinn line, but they do have the great uh, spirit of the Reformation yeah. uh, in really cool contextualized form. Check them out, missionaware.com. Uh, enter our special These Go to 11 discount word, sustain. Uh, for a great discount, and uh, let them know that uh, you heard about them on our show. And don't forget that um, we do have our These Go to 11 uh, logo beer mugs on there now. So if you yes. are if you are looking to, uh, you know, chill out with us on a Friday night, nice cold beer, you can get the uh, TGT 11 beer mugs and uh, enjoy that. Also, they have the gift sets, so you can get yeah. These Go to 11, Happy Rant, uh, the Mission Aware and the uh, uh, Thorns pub. podcast, right? Uh, no, it's the re- the Reform Pubcast. Oh, Reform Pub. Sorry about that. Sorry, Joe. Yours <laughs> is awesome too. But yes, I just couldn't remember what's in it. Reform Pub, of course, yep. it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a great set. And you know what, dude? We've been talking about planning. We need to return to a beer episode at some point in the coming Ooh, future because yes. there have been a few new things I have. I've got buying. to. Uh, I've got a bone up on that. It's been. Uh, I know, dude. Now that you're bit. you're you're out of it, but uh, that. That's a fun thing to do a little research. That's on. right. So and I think Sean would throw in on that too. I'll be I'll be happy to sure. research that topic. Good. <laughs> um, so you know, Greg, we did uh, the the last two weeks. We did our. You want to call it the uh, well? You called it the unhappy rant podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, the venting podcast. Yeah, we did our political one. We did our um, you know just what pastors should just kind of shut up about mm-hmm. and and let people make their own decisions, let people in freedom just choose their own path with certain things. Um, and we got a lot of responses from that. Yeah. We're going to uh, read some of those things, talk about some of those things tonight in the question and answer section. But um, first, we did get a call. Yes. You know, people, people were complaining that the Reverend King had not been on. And so uh, people, he must have heard. 
somehow that you were wanting him back, and so he called in and left a message. Just when you thought you'd never hear from him again, ladies and gentlemen, I've previewed this. He's in rare form tonight. I give you, well, you'll hear who he is. Oh, it's the Reverend James King of the James King, King James Bible-believing, teaching, preaching ministries. Friends, I know it's been a long time since I've graced this graceless anti-Godcast with my highly over-qualified presence and wisdom, friends. <laughs> I thought, to be honest, I would never return again. Friends, obviously, I've been doing more important things the last several months. You know, a little over a year ago, when I was asked what were the five greatest events in history, I always gave the same answer until a year ago. I said, well, there have been four, but the fifth is yet to happen. Of course, I would talk about event number one, the creation of this very planet in six literal days, friends. That's right. You don't buy that. Just go to the uh, new Ken Ham Creation Research Museum. I I'm told, friends, that they have uh, fossilized dung that is proven to be 6,000 years old and no more. I'd like to take every godless liberal scientist and just Grab hold of their scruff of their neck and shove their haughty nose into that fossilized dung so they could <laughs> breathe in the sweet gospel truth that the world was created in 4004 B.C. And the second event, friends, of course, is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Oh, friends, I love envisioning those uh, liberal, hippie-like Roman soldiers taking their bongs and their drug paraphernalia and running for the hills <laughs> to go uh, listen to their Barry Manilow music. <laughs> As they realize the Lord Jesus has come to destroy them in his resurrection. Friends, then the third event, in many ways the most important event of the ones I've mentioned, was, of course, the founding of God's authorized version of the Bible, the King James, most important. my namesake in the year 1611. Oh, friends. And, uh, of course, the... Uh, Founding of the King James Bible Tabernacle in the year 1957 <laughs> was clearly the fourth greatest event in human history. And I would have said the fifth event was waiting to be revealed. Of course, the second coming of the Lord Jesus when he starts picking Californians at random to throw them into the burning lake. <laughs> oh, but friends, I did not even see in my superior wisdom that there was an event to transpire before that great event. And, of course, friends, I'm talking about the wonderful heavenly inauguration of the best <laughs> friend of the Lord Jesus, Donald Jonathan Trump. <laughs> that was coming. January 20th, 2017. And, friends, as many of you know, I've been an official advisor to our newest president and his administration. I've been spending time the last many months along the southern border of this great nation, like Nehemiah of old, helping to build a wall to keep out the godless riffraff with their drugs and guns and triple cheese enchiladas out of this godless nation. But friends, tonight I decided to take a break uh, from my rootin' tootin' Tex-Mex ministry uh, frankly, if I eat another plate of those refried beans, I fear I'm in danger of creating my own Pentecost with a mighty rushing wind. <laughs> anyway, friends, there's still so much work to do in this country that I can barely take time off, even though the Lord's best friend is sitting on his throne at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> 
the evidence that all is still not quite right, friends, is abounding. An example of it is your listening displeasure tonight by tuning into this cesspool called a podcast. Uh, this so-called think tank, or as I like to call it, a stink tank. <laughs> oh, friends, they're shoveling out so much demon manure that I had to put on my hip boots just to make this phone call tonight. <laughs> Well, apparently these absolute fools are at it again, thinking they have the qualifications to answer listeners' questions. Uh, first off, uh, is that ever plump and pansing Greg Dutcher? <laughs> Friends, this absolute idiot <laughs> believes the Earth might actually be old. You see, I'm convinced the reason he thinks the universe is expanding is because Greg Dutcher is still expanding. I'll tell you, friends, (laughs) keep your donuts and your tacos away from this man. And then there's that absolutely deplorable heretic, the host of this godless circus, Nathan soon-to-be-in-hell Bell. My sources tell me that, that, friends, you won't believe this, he's now teaching at a Christian school. Oh, isn't that great? Now he can take his detestable devil drivel and infect the minds of America's youth so they grow up thinking that the only way to love Jesus is to grow their hair long below their backsides, walk around like a beatnik hippie, and stay in a constant state of inebriation as they are in search desperately for another marijuana cigarette. (laughs) Oh, and they've got this uh, so-called pastor, Sean Nolan. Another youth and family pastor, meaning a corrupting of youth and family pastor. (laughs) Sean Nolan, obviously related, friends, to Satan's favorite filmmaker, Christopher Nolan. You know him. (laughs) The man who has, uh, for some uh, strange reason, an irresistible attraction to making movies about men wearing pantyhose. (laughs) Friends, look up this uh, abomination of a pastor sometime, Sean Nolan. His body is covered with more ink than a 32-page decision from the liberal, calming, loving Ninth Circuit of Appeals Court. Oh, so uh, take comfort, listeners. It's these imbeciles that you're going to be asking questions of tonight. Well, I have a question for you, fools. I've got an important question for you absolute fools. Why are you talking fancy-schmancy theology talk tonight when you could be out making a difference in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus? Let me tell you what the godly soldiers of the King James Bible Tabernacle are doing right now. See, a large group of them have been with me in the last few months lurking around uh, uh, movie theaters, gas stations, fast food restaurants along the southern border of our great nation. Our immigrant evangelist hunters, they look for unsuspecting Mexicans leaning against walls, uh, eating a chimichanga, or casually whistling their national anthem, La Cucaracha. And see, our people, friends, are so well-trained, they now know exactly what to do. They walk up to them, and they look them directly in their eyes and ask to see their green card. Now, friends, if they can produce one of those green cards... Then they hand them a red card. That's right, red, since the cover is a beautifully digitalized picture of the lake of fire, asking in bold letters, are you ready to avoid the burning lake? And then we tell them of the Lord Jesus, who loved them enough to rescue them from that awful lake, even though they happen to be Mexicans. (laughs) Now, friends, if they can't produce a green card, then quicker than you can say sweet Moses on the mountain, they slap a pair of handcuffs on them and escort them to the nearest ice agent who will expel them from our great nation the way the angels will one day expel the godless 
from the front gate of heaven into the fiery abyss. Oh, friends, there's so much more I could tell you, but visit the King James Bible Tabernacle to learn of the sweet love of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> he, he's been busy. Yeah, he's had man. that building up for a while. Uh, you could tell. He, he had to get some things off his chest. D- did he say that God randomly picks Californians to throw into the lake of fire? Oh, That's dude. A random election. I know. Not unconditional, <laughs> just random. He, he might be on a pathway to a certain kind of uh, theological change. Wow. Um, can I say to any of our potential Hispanic Mexican listeners... Uh, the opinions of the Reverend James King do not reflect uh, the stink tank of, I mean, the think tank. Of, He's been eating the refried beans, not you. I've got to say, I think he, he might have a little self-loathing going on there, how much he's come to love that cuisine. But, oh, my word. Wow. Well, for those that wanted to hear the Reverend King, I'd say we got to hear him. Yeah. Wow. Man, thank you, Reverend King. Oh. We'll uh, respond to that by uh, going on to other questions. <laughs> Next. Wow. Oh my word! Oh, that was that was good. I never saw good. the time between Nehemiah and the the current. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. He shared that before, didn't he? One time, before, I think so. Yeah, when he was pushing yeah. Trump's candidacy, yeah. remember the one time he said he's a new Nehemiah. Yeah, he's going to build a wall. Okay. Man, so uh, which I actually have heard. <laughs> I some... was unconvinced until a, uh, well, a minute ago. Did but... you? How do you? How do you not get persuaded by that exegesis? Yeah. I mean, that is some <laughs> solid exegetical work done there by. Reverend King. Wow. Ooh, man. Oh, goodness. Well, moving on. Yes, yeah, so that was, by the way, Steve Jennings, one of our followers. Hey, Steve, you put that on Twitter that you wanted to hear Reverend King call in. So and, and he he heard it. He, he, he heard it. The, the beckoning and left his text mess rootin' tootin' refried bean ministry. That's right. To make that call. That's right. Thank you. Maybe I'll get my uncle Christopher Nolan to make like a, yeah. a bat call like for the <laughs> yeah. Reverend King. Like we can put that in the sky when, when people need to hear from him. That would be awesome of Reverend King. By the way, man, to one of our listeners, and I'm going to look it up afterwards. Nathan, you got to show me, dude. I think on one of our Facebook messaging connections, it might be yours, mine, the podcast, I don't know. Uh Somebody asked, and if you're listening out there, forgive me. You asked if you could make a Reverend James King action figure. (laughs) I said, why don't you do this? Make a prototype and let us see it. That's right. And we'll start talking. Anyway. Oh, that's <laughs> giving that putting that in kids' Christmas stocking. It'd be like you know the Captain America ones where you switch out his yeah. hands. Like yeah. one, he's sitting there with his pointer yeah. finger yeah. out. Yeah. The other one, he's got a Bible raised up. <laughs> the other is with a, an ice agent doll that's escorting right. somebody out of the country. <laughs> Pair that's of handcuffs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, I want to see that prototype for sure. Oh my goodness! So, moving on to our questions. Uh, you know, we, we've had a lot. We're going to try to uh, answer these um, kind of in the order that we got them in, but not exactly. Um, I, I'd like to start with one of the older ones we got because, yeah. um, you know, this has been on the person's mind. Um, this is from Jeremiah. He said, uh, hey, I know you guys love um, Christology in the Old Testament. So could you do uh, part of an episode over Isaiah 7, 10 through 25? Mm. Um, so, Greg, I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, – get us started on that one um, because uh, we do know that you love Christology in the I Old do, Testament. Man. And uh, so excited to hear what you have to say then uh, to Sean and then to, uh, to me. Yeah, it, it's a great question because so many of these passages, let's be honest, dude, we only think of them at Christmas time. Mm. 
Um, and, you know, Isaiah 7 gets pulled out. Isaiah 9 gets pulled out. They're beautiful verses. They're amazing verses. Uh, and then you, um, you kind of hear them, I would say, <sighs> the New Testament makes wise, obviously spirit-directed application of these verses to the Christmas narrative. Mm. I'm not suggesting that in their original context they are irrelevant to the Christmas narrative. But I do say I put a little more emphasis that they are well applied to the Christmas narrative. Because if you're looking at Isaiah um, chapter 7, you've got this whole thing going on with King Ahaz. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. So you're centuries before the birth of Jesus. And the question has to be, what did this passage mean to him, to the contemporary audience, Mm. for the centuries until Christ came. Yeah. It's uh, not an unimportant question. I mean, you've got 700 years plus of history that has to be accounted for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got uh, Ahaz is invited by the Lord. It's an incredibly gracious uh, picture to ask uh, of a sign uh, from God. Keep in mind, Ahaz at this point uh, recognizes there is a, a coalition to the north um, between northern Israel uh, and Syria that are going to team up uh, to harm him. And he's naturally fearful that they're going to get toppled. Yeah. Um, so the Lord is graciously a- inviting him to ask a sign for the Lord. Uh, let it be as deep as the grave, as high as heaven. But Ahaz, um, I believe, I'm with commentators like E.J. Young, uh, Gordon Wenham, and others here that would say, um, it appears that he's being... Uh, rather pompously spiritual. Mm. Uh, Ahaz Mm. is not going down in Israel's history as a uh, man after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. He says, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. Well, if you just look at that passage, you think about it. uh, This isn't some man saying, hey, you should ask God for a sign. This is God inviting him to ask for a sign. And so uh, he kind of tries to dodge it. And then notice what uh, is said in verse 13. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? So Ahaz's pseudo-spiritual reaction is bogus. And that's pretty clear rebuke there. Um, And therefore, verse 14, like at Christmas, this one doesn't come up because you'd have to talk about Ahaz. Right, right. That kind of gums up the whole works. Right. But he says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Yeah. Why is it the Lord himself? It means, again, the message of the Old Testament, God's still going to be gracious. Yeah. Although we're jerks. Yeah. Ahaz is fearful. He doesn't trust the Lord. I think that's the, the implicit message of this text. So God says, well, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to give you the sign anyway. Here's where things get tricky. Um, the sign is, behold, the virgin mm-hmm. shall conceive and bear a son yeah. <clears throat> and shall call his name Emmanuel. In a format like this, guys, I can't get into all the debate over the Hebrew term Alma uh, for virgin or young maiden. That's mm-hmm. what we talked about at Community Group. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think somebody asked the question, Where was there a prophecy in the Old Testament specifically about the virgin? Yes. And my argument kind of goes along – sorry, am I hijacking? Mm, um, no. My, I mean my argu- there, argument just goes along the line of 
a, a young woman conceiving a child is not a sign because that happens every day, everywhere. Right. Right. So there's there's nothing especially significant about a young girl conceiving a child. But right. if it's a virgin, which the word Alma can be used for both exactly. cases, is kind of where that becomes a moot point if if you're arguing that it didn't have to be a virgin. so Yes. Uh, Ravi, yes. Ravi Zacharias did in uh, his book, The End of Reason, did yeah. a um, great little um, section on this because he's, um, he's basically countering Richard Dawkins' mm-hmm. argument in this section and says, you know, Israel would have understood prophecy uh, in, in two ways. One, as an immediate fulfillment of whatever was coming so that they would know that God... Um, was true and faithful to his word. But then secondly, there would be an ultimate perfect fulfillment through the Messiah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this case, you know, we, we do see that there's a young maiden who who does have a son, calls him Emmanuel, that happens within this section of, and in this time. Mm-hmm. But then we see the ultimate fulfillment of the prophecy through Jesus Christ coming about, you know, several hundred years after that as well. The, the, uh, yeah. You know, the defense he does of that is actually really well done and really well thought out. Yes. Um, and I, I would highly recommend that book, um, The End of Reason, to anyone who's, mm. um, you know, interested. Yes, yes. And, dude, that that double fulfillment thing is where it gets really interesting. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to say a word about that. Um, that is, to me, the crux of this issue because, uh, as I think you just pointed out, Sean, Young Maiden having a... Um, a, a child, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, when, right. when in human history can you not find ample evidence of that? Right, you yeah. know, again, just go to any labor delivery unit right. in the country, uh, virtually any country, and you'll see that day after day after day. Um, so there must be something specific. Yeah. Uh, where it gets tricky is I do believe there must have been some application for Ahaz. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think we would maintain as Christians there's only one virgin birth, mm-hmm. right? That, that's not a, a repeatable phenomenon right. in history. Yeah. I mean, you've got miraculous birth. Samson is born. Uh, Samuel is born under what we would call yeah. miraculous circumstances, yeah. but through natural human sure. sexual union. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is where it gets very, very tricky. So I, I would say, boy, it's hard on a podcast not to get too lost in the weeds here. There has to be something that Ahaz and in his and contemporary Israel's lifetime can appreciate mm-hmm. um, for who this is. And there's many options. I'm kind of inclined, and I would more direct people to uh, good commentaries on this. Again, E.J. Young has an excellent commentary on uh, Isaiah where he goes into this in much more detail. Um, I think you can make a good argument that it's one of Isaiah's children mm-hmm. as his – Kids, uh, what, Maher Shalom Hashbats, is that the one? Uh, Swift to the booty, speedy to the prey, or something like that, which is the coolest name ever. <laughs> Lisa wouldn't go for it. Um, uh. Uh, so that's a possibility mm-hmm. that you've got an immediate fulfillment of one of Isaiah's children. Now, that's mm-hmm. the case. Alma, for Ahaz, is a young maiden. But uh, the Septuagint translators noticed that the um, term... Uh, and this is 200 years before Christ was born, uh, should be translated virgin. And there was a large school of rabbinic thought that understood that prophecy is still yet to be fulfilled and would be fulfilled uh, in a virgin birth or virgin conception more accurately. Mm -hmm. So to your point, Nathan, of the double fulfillment thing, 
the example I've always heard, I don't know if you learned this, Sean, in mm-hmm. seminary, I always heard the two mountains. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. You know, if you're driving out Route 70, where we are in Maryland, and, you know, you, you see two mountains in the background, they look like they're on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they look like they're side by side, virtually touching. And then when you come up to the one, you might have 30 miles of road between yeah. Mountain 1 and Mountain 2. Yeah. It's not a perfect analogy. But mm-hmm. there's often the sense that those things are placed side by side. Right. Isaiah 61, mm-hmm. when Jesus goes into the, uh, 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 to the synagogue uh, right at Nazareth, says he, he turned to the place where Isaiah says, that's Isaiah 61, mm-hmm. no chapters in, which is amazing. He knew the place. Yeah. I just love that. Mm-hmm. Turns to it. And the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me you know, to bind up the mm-hmm. broken, to preach you know, the, the good news to the poor, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Read on that passage. There's comments that are second coming related, mm-hmm. uh, uh, related of justice, mm-hmm. bloodshed, universal reign. Jesus stops before he gets to those parts. Mm. So that might be a classic example in Isaiah of two things put side by side yeah. where there's an immediate fulfillment in, in one time and a distant fulfillment in the, the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did say, I, in fairness, I had a seminary professor, Dr. Robert Vernoy, who I loved, who hated that view. Mm. And I never understood mm. why. Mm. To me, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm. But I do think um, uh, there's probably something for Ahaz, something for Israel, that's symbolically seen, I think, in the naming of Isaiah's children, mm. uh, a sign more of what they represent from God's perspective. I think 700 years later, right. there's the most perfect fulfillment, yeah. literal fulfillment, in the Virgin Mary's conception of Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that one, Sean? Or? No, no. All right. So, Jeremiah, I hope we answered that for you. If uh, you have any follow-ups, you know how to get a hold of us. We tried to just use lots of words <laughs> that would distract and maybe throw him off our scent. Anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah. it, You'll it's a never big... see oh, it coming. <laughs> I will say one thing. When you read uh, – let me just say one more thing because he may have been asking this. Um, <clears throat> that's why the immediate fulfillment – makes us a little less uncomfortable with verse 15. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. Mm. For the boy, mm. uh, before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose kings you dread will be deserted. Mm. That's pretty clearly stuff happening in Isaiah's time. Right. You know, the kings that they're fearing, you know, Pekka, resident, and all this, this international tumult that they're facing. Um, I think you could say, yeah, there's an immediate application. Yeah. But that virgin birth right. is still yet to come. So right. that's it. Cool. Um, and again, you know, Jeremiah, follow-ups or anything else like that, you know how to get a hold of us. Yeah. Um, so the next one, um, this actually came before we talked about um, or did our rant on politics last week. So uh, I'm just going to read this. It's, it's rather lengthy and long, and um, we'll kind of pick through – Pick through the weeds on, on, on all this. So uh, the question is, biblical attitude towards political protests. I totally think uh, – what is that? Kep- Kaepernick? Kaepernick. Kaepernick's protest is nonsense. However, the response oh, has uh, Kaepernick. Also, I'm sorry. Oh, Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick, the uh, San Francisco uh, 49ers quarterback. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, 
that's why I didn't know because I don't yeah, right, follow right, football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kaepernick's protest. Yeah. <laughs> However, the response has also been uh, a bunch of hate-filled stupidity. Personally, my number one political issue today is abortion. If a baby has no right to life, no other issues get a chance to come into play for them. Now, if my favorite player on my favorite team took a tiny coffin just big enough to hold an aborted baby in it and held it up during the national anthem, I would not support that one bit. I would undoubtedly It would undoubtedly offend those who already disagree with the issue and also bother a lot of people who, who agree with the pro-life stance. Plus, there's the fact that the player is an employee on the job representing a city organization and league, not all of whom agree with that position. What do you guys think that comes from mm. Philip? Thank you, Philip. Go for it, Greg. I definitely have some thoughts. Uh, I don't want to. I talk long on the Isaiah one, uh, (laughs) so I don't want to dominate. I think a lot like Philip. Philip, I I like uh, Mm -hmm. the way you phrased it. I think your analogy of, uh, uh, I think it shows that you're you're trying to be a fair thinker. Uh, I think you're trying to be um, consistent, intellectually honest. Um, Maybe the way to say it is to be the converse. How many Christians would applaud a guy who held up a uh, sign, mm. a picture of an aborted baby during the national anthem? A lot of Christians might say, yeah, we got to get that message out there. I'd be inclined to agree with this guy, uh, proper place, proper time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and I, I tend to think it's the same thing. Uh, I can say through the years, hasn't happened at CFC, but in my former church, every pastor says, in my former church that had all the problems, unlike my current one. That's right. Um, <laughs> I, I did have some well-meaning people who um, were passionately pro-life and uh, thought we were kind of weaning out uh, because they wanted to put up in the foyer not necessarily all the time, but pro-life Sunday, pictures of aborted babies, um, verses about the sanctity of life. Mm -hmm. Mm. Those are hard conversations because how do you not commend the biblical teaching, which I think is clear on the subject? Yeah. Do you think abortion is murder? Um, yet you balance that with, with other biblical things, Mm -hmm. right? The idea of welcoming people and welcoming into your fellowship uh, I, I know for a fact if my mother, yep. uh, who's been a lifelong Democrat, kind of women's rights woman, first woman in her family to go to college, mm-hmm. walks into a church foyer and sees that, she's gone. Yeah. And a lot of people would say, well, then she's, hey, the gospel. So I'd say, yeah, but that's not the gospel. Right, right. It's an, it's an important issue related to the gospel. Right. But it isn't the gospel. The same way I wouldn't have mm-hmm. the church's stance on homosexuality thrown out in the foyer. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't have the church's stance on sexual ethics in general thrown out into the foyer. To to extrapolate on that, here is a, a team employee getting paid to do a job during the national anthem. Yeah. And we've said before, Nathan, on other podcasts, if I'm in uh, China and they're playing their national anthem, I'm going to stand respectfully yeah. while people are honoring it because mm-hmm. I think not doing it is just really douchey. Right. Yeah. I like the way Philip is thinking here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's my thought. What, Sean? What do yeah. you think, Sean? Well, being a, that's kind of old too, isn't it? The, how do you say it? Caper, Caper, Kaepernick? Uh, the Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Yeah. Um, it, it was bigger at the beginning of the football season. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, this year, though, it's fairly recent. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it happened September, October. As non sports guys, yeah, he wasn't standing for the. Pledge is that what he was doing uh, during uh, the national anthem? Yeah. 
when it, all the players would 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 uh, stand up with their hand or their heart or take yeah. helmets off, he would kneel. Right. And okay. his take he began to call attention to it. You know, people noticed that what's going on, and he said, "I uh, because of his position on." Um, sort of Black Lives Matter yeah, issues, yeah. I guess you would say, minority uh, civil rights right. issues. He said, I can't honor a country that has treated minorities so poorly. Yeah. Paraphrasing a bit, gotcha. but that was the gist of what he was saying. And so he took the knee. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah, that's that's tricky. Yeah. I, I I don't disagree with anything that you said, although I do I, – something does – I do appreciate somebody speaking for – you know, historically disenfranchised people in such a way sure. and exercising his first amendment yeah. right as well. Um, but yeah, time and place is also. That's to me, I, I'm with you, Sean. I mean, I have yeah. no issue with a guy being a voice of dissent. Yeah. Um, it just seems, uh, Ooh man, to, to do that. What, I mean, what, what are people thinking when they hear the national anthem? Yeah. They're often thinking of those that family members that died in battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grandparents, exactly. uncles. It's, it's at the time. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, I, you know, Greg, we've talked about this before. I am not one to publicly protest anything. And to me, it's just because and we've talked about this. I feel like I have such little credit, such little cachet when it comes to preaching the gospel to someone that if I'm going to offend someone with anything, it's going to be purely the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for me, even to go out – and again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. I have family members that do this. I, I think it's great that they do this. They'll go out. They'll uh, peacefully and lovingly uh, protest in fr- front of abortion clinics. Mm-hmm. They will talk with women going into abortion clinics and you know just, just pray for them, and, and, all, and I have no problem with that. To me, that's that's not my personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My personality is if if I have a friend, if I have somebody who is in the midst of those circumstances, hey, why don't we go out and have a cup of coffee and just talk? Yeah. Tell tell me how you're doing. You know, you you said that you want to have an abortion. Talk to me. Yeah. Just just tell me what you're feeling, and and even without trying to berate them or even I, I would say even you know guilt them into not doing this. I want to have a genuine conversation with them about mm-hmm. how they're doing. What, it, what has brought you to this position that you think, um, let, let, let's take killing a child off the table for a second, but you think invasive surgery is your only recourse in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just to me, like that's where – that's where I think real change is going to happen is that one-on-one in relationship Mm -hmm. in the context of them seeing that I genuinely care for them and love them. I don't know if you ever, if you guys ever saw the movie, um, Bella came out, um, probably about five or six years ago. It was about a professional soccer player. If you, if you haven't seen it by now, spoiler alert. Uh, (laughs) Um, I mean, it was, it was an indie film, but it was very good. It was about a professional soccer player who, Um, accidentally killed a young child while speeding and he just he he left that famous and glamorous life and has basically been working in in a kitchen and comes across this woman who gets pregnant and just in the course of a day takes off with her He, he works for his brother so they get into a fight and he takes off in the course of a day with this woman and just it just basically said talk to me about this um and and basically the end of the story it's got a happy ending. The end of the story is that the mother gives him the baby mm. for adoption. Uh, gives up the baby for adoption, and he ends up adopting the baby. Yeah. 
she stays in, in his life and uh, in, in the child's life. And, you know, it's, it's one of those cute Hallmark happy ending movies. But to me, there's such truth and reality in, in having that discussion and, you know, him talking her through the importance and the value of life. To me, I, you know, the way I envision is, you know, a woman who has been through an abortion and, and has, received Christ and loves Christ going and talking to another woman and saying, Hey, let me talk to you as, as a woman who's been through this and just share my experience yeah. and, and my heartbreak in this. No need to berate, no need to, you know, yell and scream and, you know, all that stuff. just a loving, peaceful conversation in a relationship with someone. Yeah. Yeah. What you just said, dude, is in many ways, um, why I've never been a big boycotter. Yeah. Uh, I know that's a sensitive. Yeah. So I got to be careful, sir, because you went to a Baptist school. Uh, uh, aren't aren't Baptists the king of boycotts? Uh, uh, I, what, I, what didn't they yeah. boycott? Yeah. <laughs> Tongue in cheek there a little bit. I, I can't tell you the exact percentage, but yeah. I heard a good number of chapel messages, probably more than half. Yeah. That the first line was, "I don't agree with a lot of you," and um, <laughs> that has to be uttered. You, you just have to make sure you correct different presuppositions. That just because you're in the same room with someone, yes. you don't all share the same opinions. No, because so, yeah. God forbid, um, <laughs> yeah, there so, there be some yeah. divergence of opinion. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I just kind of because I, you know, every so often, you guys ever get those emails on? And to me, it's the protest theme, or to, yeah. to, to keep it in that that category. Yeah. Oh, what at Starbucks? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. have had Target. More, oh, t- more people that know that what a Starbucks snob I am yeah. that have kind of appe- some people pretty passionately. And when they are, I want to give them a hearing. I don't right. want to, to make them feel dismissed. I just, I just don't. Starbucks makes a product that I like. Yeah. So I part with my money to get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't view that as much differently than uh, my plumber doesn't have to be a Christian. Yeah, yeah. That gives all of the money I pay him to fix my toilet to, uh, you know, mission to the world or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, um, he may use it at a strip joint. He may use it to, you right. know, uh, to, right. to buy porn. I don't know. Right. Or even if I did know, maybe right. to, to put a little more courage behind that conviction, mm-hmm. I, I tend to think the service I bought was legitimate. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a legitimate service, and I kind of leave it there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I understand it. To me, I, I, again, we always talk about binding others' conscience. I don't want to go the other way and say right. you should buy at Starbucks too. Right. I just don't want yeah. them to tell me I can't. Right. Right. Um, and and yeah. too, like you know, going back to the to the protesting thing, I'm not saying we we have that right. We have that freedom here in America. Right. And I believe that we as Christians can lovingly and peacefully protest sure. yeah. and yeah. and speak up publicly like that. I just – for me, it's it's not the way I'm going to go with it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm kind of w- with you on that. I mean I, I feel like I'm on, on thin ice talking about sports because it's something I don't care too much about. And as a white male, I don't, I don't feel like I have too much authority to criticize um, an athlete for – although I think when we protest in this day and age, I don't know how much it really accomplishes with the, the internet things. It kind, mm-hmm. of, kind of expires before anybody – anybody really latches on to it and yeah you, know, you might get a lot of a lot of retweets but i'm not sure you're really gonna <laughs> in other words before the protest so. protest is done there have already been 30 memes that have been generated yeah. Uh, yeah that have gone out to interpret positively or negatively the protest yeah as an athlete i'm sure he makes a lot of money that he could utilize to yeah i think he makes a, 15 million make uh, a big difference in a two-year uh, contract i believe yeah i've thought the same thing i mean um I, hey real quick cool story on this guys i, I know you're not sports fans but nathan because this is your neck of the woods mm-hmm 
oh, the Patriots who just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Man, Super okay, Bowl can, can we just before before we get to yes, it, yes. can we just say, regardless of who won, yeah. that was an awesome game. It was incredible, incredible, that was an dude. Awesome I mean, game. The, the, well, what's so cool about it, dude? The NFL playoffs this year sucked. Yeah. Apart from maybe two games that were close. Yeah. Uh, most of them were blowouts. Most, I mean, the Green Bay Dallas game was equally amazing. Because Green Bay came back in the end, Aaron Rodgers made a spectacular uh, uh, play, and mm-hmm. you know, they won it in the final second of the game. Um, but most of the games were terrible; they were blowouts. Yeah. So you get the Super Bowl that was a blowout. Yeah, and you know, I'm thinking the second coming's about to happen because the Patriots are going to lose by 25 points, yeah. <laughs> and the Falcons' epic collapse, epic fail. Um, sorry, guys, I won't geek out too much, but it was amazing. Came down to the final seconds of the game; it's yeah. exactly what you want. In a major event, uh, Bob Kraft is the owner of the uh, of the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I just heard this recently, and then I read it online to confirm it. To the degree you can confirm it online, <laughs> um, so it has to be true. But I've, I've read this now from several places. Uh, when the when the Kaepernick thing started at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. he met with his team mm-hmm. uh, and their coaches and everything, and they've got you know black players, white players mm-hmm. uh, on that team, and uh, they he sat down with them and. I, I like the way he handled it. He he brought in a couple of soldiers, veterans, mm-hmm. uh, some older guys to talk about what many people feel when the anthem is played, mm-hmm. why it is significant. Then he said, "Listen, particularly some of some of you I know, different backgrounds." And he said, "I'm a white guy, grew up pretty privileged, right, mm-hmm. etc. Did well. Some yeah. of you have a very different story." He said, "Any change that you want to enact in." a community that matters to you. Mm. You confine it to Boston, you know, of course, where the team is. That could be an educational initiative in a black mm-hmm. community. It could be an after-school program. W- whatever the change was that he wanted to see, whatever calls, whatever charity, said, I will match you dollar for dollar and join you in that, uh, in that cause. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to feel you lost your voice. Mm. I don't want you to feel that you uh, are being mm. told yeah. know, this is the way it has to be. He's, mm. he's, I'd like to balance yeah. Our approach to the flag, and not yeah. one patriot all year ever, ever did that. Yeah, you know, I don't think you can dictate what a guy can or cannot do. Right. To your point, Chuck, mm. First Amendment right. Yeah, it's a great thing about this country. You you can really do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was a, a winsome way. Yeah. To kind of what, honor people's. Was there passion. a condition there? He would match it if they acted upon a certain principle that he. Well, I mean, I I don't know if he ever spelled. It. I think the goal was, can we ha- strike a balance? Mm. No, we don't want to be a team where people are sitting during the national anthem, right? Not participating. Gotcha. Um, That's why I think he brought in the veterans. Mm -hmm. Same time, uh, voices to be heard. Yeah. Charities Mm. to be matched. Whatever change you think is needed in this country. Yeah. Says, I'm open to it. I want to hear your heart. Discuss it. I I think it was a pretty wise managerial way to approach it and say, I will match you dollar for dollar. Uh, and you say, well, he's a, he's a billionaire. Still, a lot of billionaires right. don't give their money to anything <laughs> except themselves. Yeah. So bringing um, it full circle, one of them wants to donate to Planned Parenthood, and then he has to sit down. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. I yeah. don't know. That's an excellent yeah. point, Sean. Uh, what would yeah. it if somebody pushed a, an initiative that was contrary right. to his principles? I, right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that happened based right. on the little you know, snippets I read, but interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
So now we're uh, sorry. No, oh no, no that, was, that was a good thought. Time is flying too, man. I know. So now um, we're we're moving into uh, getting closer to what we were talking about with um, some other things. Um, you know, Greg, I want to I want to hold off on this one question that we have. Um, it's about uh, when Chris Date was on, um, because I know we got a, another slew of questions, but we want to sure. have Chris Date uh, back. And so I'm going to save this one for him. So I'm sure. going to jump to the more immediate, and that was uh, what was going on with the podcast that we just released. Um, and Jeremiah, again, has a question. He says, uh, so from the pulpit, the gospel alone should be preached, to which I absolutely agree. If a person in the congregation pursues con- uh, conversation about politics with you personally, would you talk with them about your personal views on politics as a pastor, or would you try to be apolitical still? Mm, good question. Uh, I thought about that one a lot. Uh, this is going to be such a political answer, ironically. Mm. Depends on the person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's a person uh, that I feel like I know, um, I guess what I'm saying, it, it's a little crass, is I don't want to load up somebody with ammunition. Yeah. Well, hey, I talk to Greg offline. Yeah. And let me tell you, this is what he believes about immigration. This yeah. is what he thinks about Trump's mm. Yeah, uh, initiative, this cabinet choice, etc. I, I don't want that. Yeah, because to me, that's the same effect. Yeah, of preaching politics from the pulpit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you've got this pastoral imprimatur on uh, a political opinion. Right. That has nothing to do with a person standing before God or yeah. lost people's destiny. It, nothing. Yeah. So I'm like, why right. would I want my name associated with that right. pastorally? I think right. it's crazy. Uh, yeah. And if it's a person that just genuinely is sitting there, just tell me how you thought through. This issue. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of people are posting right now on, the, and I think we'll do a podcast on this, Nathan, mm. at some point, the refugee stuff. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, people are posting a lot of things uh, with verses about welcoming the refugee. That's an important discussion. I don't want to be so apolitical in interpersonal settings that I'm like, oh, I don't talk about that. Right. I'd want to. And to me, uh, I think to reference Steve, um, Hartland on the last podcast, the, the, I'm more concerned about the questions people are asking. Yes. You know, what, what yes. biblical themes are you trying to factor in as you think through mm-hmm. this issue? Yeah. Um, we might get to a different place. Right. That's okay. But yeah. I, I, so I would say if it's a person genuinely seeking, just Greg, you know, I respect you, Sean, I respect you. Uh, can you, would you mind telling me how you thought through the issue? Mm-hmm. And I think it's upon us to say, I can tell you how I've thought through it, and I, I still might be thinking through it. Check back with me in six months. I might change because this isn't justification by faith mm, right. that I'm going to the mat for for life. Right. Mm-hmm. This is something I might say, you know, I've thought about that, and I feel right. a little – I feel less emboldened by it. But when a person is genuinely seeking counsel and the application of Scripture, I think, Pastor Lou, we want to help. But I think the way we do it has to be very, very – we have to be delicate and careful about it. Mm-hmm. You have thoughts on that, Sean? Because you, you work with a lot of the young folks and college age yeah. folks that are probably asking these things and talking about them all the time. Yeah, there's that's a double-edged sword in the fact that they're not going to be able to vote, one. Generally, yes, generally yes, speaking, yes. I guess there's a rare case on an election year somebody could be 17 and then later 18 or something. True. But uh, But I can't think of a time I've talked to a middle schooler or high schooler and accidentally slipped something about politics that I didn't regret it. So right, with, right. With older – with people that are not that young and impressionable, I feel like I have less mm. issues. But with the – I've always regretted 
giving any i just feel like at that age particularly like middle school and high school kids are always looking for ammunition to bolster their own claims or are just so emotionally attached to whatever their parents believe yes i don't think i don't think it's very productive uh it's true but yeah i i always offline i'm just i'm not too i'm not too invested in politics in the first place so yeah i never really i've never really had a, a a strong opinion to push on someone i guess but yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah yeah similar yeah. similar yeah yeah and i think i mean i think last week uh i can't remember if it was online or offline we were talking about this being in a new school you know and yeah it, it's a middle school and it's um I, I would say 95 maybe even higher uh percentage uh minority in the school yeah and uh it i love it great opportunity it's to awesome talk to the talk to the students um it's it's at the point now where uh i don't think they see me as their white teacher i don't see them as my black students yeah. you know they're, mm. they're my students right on their teacher um and we I, I interact with them differently than i did when i was at open bible and perry hall with with those students but they're my students and yeah. i love them yeah. um and i remember uh it was one of my first days there the students were asking so mr bell what do you think about the election what do you think and I just looked at it and I said, you know, guys, I, I really just don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. and I was, in one sense, being very honest with them yeah. because I don't. I know, and um, I can vouch for that. Yeah. We've been talking about that for years. Um, yeah. In another sense, I wasn't because, Greg, you and I have sat down. We've had great political sure, discussions sure. before. Um, I, I've sat down with Nathan Bartleball from Pop Culture Ninja and mm-hmm. have great political discussions, yeah. not always agreeing on everything, sure. but, but great discussions. But like you said – I know my audience. Yeah. I know who I can yeah. I can share opinions with that I really don't care about and, and enjoy the discussion, enjoy the debate, and then just leave yeah. them there and be done and move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I know the, the people that – you know what? If I say this, this is, this is going to cause a disagreement that yeah. I just don't care to get into. Right. Yeah. Or this is going to cause – me to like you said imprint my opinion on someone yeah. where it doesn't need to be imprinted right yeah right yeah i've thought of, when even trying to make a more you know gospel centric way to talk about politics when sometimes we'll talk about the that grace makes the uh the disturbed comfortable and the comfort it disturbs the comfortable yeah. kind of thing yeah which i i think there's something to that in talking about politics as well i've had a lot of uh, minority friends come to me and have genuine concerns about the current mm-hmm. um, political situation to which I think we should avoid trying to particularly we should find a way to try and comfort those and relate to yes. have empathy with people yeah, absolutely where on the or on the other hand I just think as Christians we aren't we aren't called to support blindly everything political leader does yeah. and to have our own opinions where I think sometimes people are so quick to defend somebody as if they're like their own demigod or something and yeah and that they can do no wrong which i think is equally wrong and we should maybe try to disturb them a little bit more yeah, out right, of, right out of i mean at that point it's just idolatry essentially so we should say you know we can't pray for them i'm not saying we we shouldn't rejoice when even a president we we didn't vote for makes good decisions sure and, you know that we agree with or that are have the best interest of the country in mind yeah. i guess so, sometimes uh, too, what i like to do to, to kind of uh unplug the tension um, Lisa thinks I, I overplay the hyperbole card here, and I, I am for the sake of argument. Mm. But I love the quote. I heard somebody say it recently, but I, I love to tell a person when they're, you know what, presidents don't matter. <laughs> I love saying that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, people, what, what are you talking about, of course? Yeah. But if you can really, I mean, you don't want to be uh, self-righteously 
right, sacrosanct right. about it. But mm. if you can really get, particularly if it's a believer, to say, I mean, senators don't matter. Right. Uh, you know, probably, I mean, look, we're podcasting in a room in our church close mm. to one of the rooms that Sean is teaching children, and, and many of our volunteer leaders are teaching children. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say what they may have heard on Sunday mm-hmm. I think has far more of eternal significance yeah. Yeah. than yeah. so much of the temporary mm. rhetoric in Washington right now. Yeah. Yeah. And to shake that up sometimes, say, right. presidents don't matter. Right. Yeah. They come, they go, they, right. they live, they yeah. die. Um, yeah. Just to kind of sometimes diffuse that ugly tension yeah. Yeah. that people get into over this and say, so what, what does matter? Yeah. yeah. I'm getting real meta about it. Uh, Reverend King's phone call is going to make more difference in eternity than the president yeah. who's <laughs> plotting in the phone call. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I think his immigrant evangelist hunter ministry. Oh, I mean, I mean, can you imagine the souls coming to that's, know? That's Christ a program right? ahead of its time right there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Oh, man. Um, so now we get into some of the, some of the comments we made um, – from from last week about Piper and Kevin DeYoung and some of those things. So Cicero from uh, Twitter, I'm going to read uh, his. Oh, that was fun. I had a good – His yeah. two. Yeah. Um, so the one uh, that he said, so in your view, if the elders agree not to meet weeks where the Packers are playing uh, Sunday, they are right and wise to do so. And then um, he, he goes on in this kind of second part of his question. Um, could, you sell, could you elaborate on the difference between the two? Uh, does it just come down to gut feelings? Yeah. Yeah, um, and I've got a little advantage on that, that he and I went offline on that yeah. uh, in some um, – it was good, good yeah. conversation. I thought they were very fair questions, and if, if the audience caught that. You know, we just – we, we uh, kind of gave a little bit of a – Yeah, can I just say real quick, like yeah. if, you, if, if our audience uh, tweets us a question – and it's a deep question. Yeah. We'll go offline with you, but Twitter is not the place to no. hold a conversation no. with what is it, 140 characters well, or whatever it ridiculous, is. Ridiculous. Yeah. You know? Which now the nice thing about a direct message yes. conversation on Twitter is you can. It's just like yeah. an email at that yeah. point and, and exchange. But yeah, so if you yeah. see us like not answering messages on Twitter to Too the hard. person, it's because we're going offline with yeah. them and answering them there. Good caveat, dude. Glad, gl- uh, glad you said that. Hey, and watch this. On real-time editorial input. Um, at the time we're recording this, guys, I have uh, seven minutes. Yeah. What I was going to suggest, because I bet Sean has a couple of thoughts on the Chris Date thing Yeah. that one of our other listeners asked, if you guys get to that. So uh, I may bow out okay. and let you guys close up shop a couple minutes later if you're hmm. cool. Cool. Uh, so just wanted to say, Cicero asked the question, because we kind of went after in our last podcast, yeah. a little bit Kevin DeYoung's article, I think, again, Steve, uh, you and I felt all kind of a spurious article, not a whole lot of scripture. Right. And uh, it was kind of DeYoung's opinion. Uh, and, um, you know, there, there was a little pushback on that, not too much. Mm-hmm. Cicero is asking the question, so by that logic, you guys didn't have service on Christmas Day. If uh, you want to honor people that have Super Bowl parties uh, or another event, then you'll cancel services. Which, again, uh, I want to be careful. I, I think Cicero asked a very legitimate question because uh, Cicero is very wise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cicero. But it's a legit question. Um, it, I wanna, it could lead to a straw man type question where you just propose the most ridiculous. If, if the Veggie Tales put out a new movie right. and Sunday's the best time to see it, you know, you, you 
can kind of make the opponent look foolish, etc. To me, the underlying issue is simple. Does the Bible prescribe Sunday morning worship? I do not think that it does. Mm. I went on uh, uh, with uh, uh, Cicero on Twitter. I quoted an excerpt from an article by an OPC theologian, mm. Orthodox Presbyterian Church. I mean, these guys are known for pretty strong Sabbatarian convictions mm-hmm. who acknowledged himself that the Bible does not prescribe Sunday morning or Sunday evening worship. Mm. Uh, again, the difference between a description and a prescription is important. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated his intellectual honesty. So every time the church meets, w- even though they haven't had a thoughtful discussion about it for 50 years, mm-hmm. at some point it is the decision made by a qualified leadership team, hopefully, making application of the scriptures to their context. Right. Or whether that's moving the service from 7.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. Yeah. Churches that have a formal worship service or a contemporary worship service, or my favorite, blended, which just means traditional with one uh, slight, <laughs> uh, slightly outdated chorus. But that's a different story altogether. The blended worship. Um, you know, every decision that is made like that no, I do not think the Bible prescribes it. <gasps> then you could technically argue that you would never meet. That's well, I wouldn't say that, right? Because I do think the Scripture prescribes the meeting of the saints, right? Mm-hmm. Um, celebrates it, exhorts us to not give up the habit. So again, I just think there is a wide swath of applicational freedom there. Right. I am of the belief, uh, with all my heart, that it is are the right people making that yeah. decision. Yeah. And I think the right people is a group of qualified elders. Okay. Uh, you want to jump in on that, Sean, at all? Or? Mm, not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like- I, I mean, I, I don't think I could add anything no. to that. I mean, if you even think of just like community groups as another another place where you're meeting for the purposes of church, with probably the exception of not doing baptisms or the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't try to compete with the Super Bowl or like right. something like that, and I even think of that as a pretty good opportunity. It's a it's one of the few culturally recognized kind of built in missional days we have where we can engage neighbors, yeah. and mm-hmm. I think there's some wisdom to be said in elders accommodating that to the culture as like, hey, go be the church. Don't you right. know? Don't gather as the church that day. Be out in the community with other people and be salt and light to them and the community. I guess so. Um, yeah. yeah. But I don't disagree with anything you said. So. Well, and we are going to, with shameless uh, self-promotion, we are going to do a podcast on the regulative principle. Yes. We've danced around it. We've hinted yeah. at it. But I think it's, I mean, in... Uh, it's time. We, yeah, what we'd like to do is do one where I think, admittedly, and probably Hartland will be with us for that. Yeah. We kind of take it on. Yeah. As I think, uh, you know, I even I put up a dumb meme a, a, a week or two ago. Right. Here, <laughs> of uh, Well, a couple, but the one is Tommy Lee Jones and the right. Fugitive. You know, it says, I want an all-out search of every doghouse, henhouse, right. cathouse, outhouse, gas station, blah, blah, blah. Your fugitive's name is the regulative principle. Right. Go find him. <laughs> right. But the point is, and you won't. Right. I mean, that's my belief. Yeah. It's a theologically deduced yeah. truth from Scripture, which mm-hmm. ironically, in my opinion, gets elevated in terms of practical impact to Scripture. Right. Mm. Which is so bizarre to me on so many levels. But uh, I recognize a number of folks in our audience are passionately reformed, covenanter type backgrounds, and believe the regular principle is binding. And yeah. I would just say, I hear you. Right. I truly do get where you're coming from. Right. I just disagree. 
Right. Mm. Well, and I, you know, to add to that, because I think um, I and, and we admitted this on the podcast, we spent a lot of time complaining. Yeah. That, that was our ranting podcast. That was we, a rant. Yeah. We, we hadn't done that. I, I don't really think we'd ever really done that on this podcast before. See mm. what you do to me, Kevin DeYoung. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, in all fairness, we weren't saying that if you follow the regulative principle, you're a bad church. Of course not. We're not saying that if you decide you're going to do these things that you're bad and horrible people. What we're saying is if you do those things, that's great. We're not you right. as a church, yeah. as as mm-hmm. you know, CFC in Forest Hill, Maryland. We're not you, and it is not your place to tell us how, when, where, why to worship. Right. That's not your decision right. to make. We have – pastors and elders at our church who are making those decisions and they're not violating scripture and so it just needs to be left alone right and of course this is where all these these issues get so tricky if you do believe that's why we we want to do a podcast on if you do believe that the regulative principle is binding that only what scripture prescribes is what you do and anything else right is wrong then they'll say oh we do have a right to say because it's god's word so the issue at that point becomes hermeneutical, exegetical, right? Mm-hmm. where you say, well, let's look at that. Okay, show me the regulative principle in Scripture. Right. Now, our friend, um, uh, Calvinist Colson, right. Phil's a great guy, great guest. He's been on a couple of times. Yep. You know, uh, he had a great meme. Did you see yes, his? Yes, yes. His to me, because yeah. I kind of put out the, the one, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. And he said, I, I, I accept your meme, and, and I raise, raise you, you this yes. one. And he has Nadab and Abihu, Leviticus 10. Right. You know, and it says, hey, um, it doesn't say we can't do this. Right. And then, of course, they're dead. See, but I would That's argue. That's a little unfair, Phil. Well, <laughs> see, the, but, a little unfair, brother. But, but I would even touche. argue that because didn't God clearly tell them how to make sacrifices? I mean, isn't that spelled out for them? Uh, I, I, I would agree. Now, again, it's a bit interpretive. They would say exactly prescribes how to do it. Mm-hmm. They, but to me, the point is we're not saying – when God commands us to do something, find a shortcut. Right. I don't know anybody <laughs> right. that would say. That's oh, what they God commanded us to meet 10 and, minutes later. See you guys. Yeah, and, and the term in Hebrew is a little tricky. That's why the King James has it as what? Strange fire. Right. You know, which is not yeah. in its initial context about charismatic abuses. But, right. uh, you know, it's uh, it's strange fire right. in, in the authorized that uh, mm. the King you know, James King would like. Um, it appears that they did something that I think was a clear violation right. of Scripture. Regulative principle, uh, taken to the nth degree, is kind of, hey, if the Scripture doesn't regulate it, you don't do it. That's a different issue. Yeah. Uh, but you have to s- slice that carefully, and I can't wait to hear what you guys keep saying about it. <laughs> All right, so Greg's peacing out on us. and uh, Peace. See ya. And, see ya. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, Sean, what are what are uh, some of your continuing thoughts on that? I don't have any other continuing thoughts. None. On that. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's cool. Um, you know, and again, like, you know, what I would say to that is is just again, you know, we don't we're not trying to prescribe right. the right way or the wrong way to do things. Again, yeah. it's you know the these are decisions that our leadership team has come up with and has decided on, and so. You know, unless they're going around, you know, sleeping with other women that are not their wives and, you know, those types Mm. of things. There isn't a clear verse in the Bible that spells out you should or shouldn't do this. Yeah. And I mean, I I agree with everything that you guys already said. And in particular, I think it just becomes 
don't make your elective my prerequisite yeah. kind of thing, essentially. I don't have a problem with churches that do that. And sometimes I think they could even be fun to be a part of, but right. Um, but yeah, I also don't have problems with churches that don't. So cool. Um, so the only other one um, that we'll get to is the one with um, that we have here. Uh, that was I, f- I forget who sent it. Um, we've got a whole list of other ones, but I, I kind of want to wait for for Greg to hit these. Um, Jeff Crotz's brother John uh, sent them to us, and um, but but Greg actually spent a lot more time corresponding with John than we did. Mm. Um, so I'd rather uh, save that for him. But there is one that we got a um, little while ago when we had uh, when we had Chris Date on, and uh, this is what he says. Um, so one thought that has come up. When I've listened to such discussions or debates, he's referring to um, the uh, annihilationists or um, what's the other term for it? Um, conditional, conditional immortality. Yeah, conditional. Um, so that's what he's referring to. But I've never heard addressed is the relation of Anselm's ontological argument for the existence of God to this topic. In the ont- ontological argument, God is that being greater than which nothing can be conceived, and since existing is greater than not existing, then God must necessarily exist. Otherwise, one could conceive of another being that would be greater due to its due to its existence. Anselm premised that existing is greater than not existing might be used by conditionalists to argue for annihilation being a worse fate than eternal suffering. Uh, do any of you know of anyone who has argued this based on Anselm? I don't know of anyone who's argued that based on Anselm. And even beyond that, there's not many people that have written on Anselm's argument in a, even a a short article sense or a blog post sense. You're mostly going to find like 400-page tomes written on that and not a short thing. Mm-hmm. And the thing that he – even – I mean for listeners to kind of break down Anselm's ontological argument is essentially that humans have a – have a category of thought in their mind for who God is. And because having, having this idea or this vision of a, uh, of a God in our, in our brains, um, is not, is not enough ontologically that essentially there has to actually be a God out there because the, the reality of God has to surpass even the mind's comprehension of it. It, it gets kind of, heady f- philosophy out there and there are some people that say that that argument's not uh it's not bulletproof in a sense so he's saying if uh existing is better than not existing at all then isn't that kind of ammunition for the conditionalist but mm. i don't argue conditionalism so right. <laughs> um so maybe maybe chris day could answer that or you know write a paper on it i mean i think i think there's probably a correlation there but i I tried to search around on the internet. I didn't see anything in particular for this, but right. Well, you know, the fact is that you know when Chris State was on, the thing that I appreciate so much about him wasn't his, you know, quoting of other uh, philosophers or quoting of other theologians. It was, right. hey, this is this is what Scripture says. Consider this, yeah. um, which I thought was was a great, yeah. I mean, that's a great position to have on anything, you know, and yeah. To me, one of the more important factors was, you know, him saying that so many people just consider him heretical, he's going to hell, all that sort of stuff. And it's like, well, wait a minute. It's not like he's deviating from Scripture. He's reading Scripture and coming up with what I believe is a sound interpretation, you know. And I may or may not disagree with him. I'm not going to tip my hand on that. 
But the fact is he's, he's solid in, in his um, interpretation of what the scriptures are saying. He's coming at it directly from what scripture is saying. And we just happen to have different perspectives on it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. no, I'd, I'd be interested in reading somebody who wrote the article on this. I imagine who asked the question. Do you know, or uh, I don't, I, I, it's in the email and I forgot to uh, transfer it over when I transfer sorry. these questions over. So didn't mean to put you on the spot. No worries. Sorry. Whoever asked the question. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's a good question. I imagine whoever asked it probably poked around the internet and didn't find anything either, but, uh, it'd be cool to hear, you know, like Chris date answer that personally. Yeah. But I don't know if anybody. Yeah, and like I said, we're hoping to have him back on, so maybe we can uh, maybe we can have him on for that. Um, you know, and and as I was saying, Sean, uh, Greg had to leave early. We have a, a whole back page here of um, you know questions and correspondence between um, John Crotz. Of course, we've had Jeff on here before, and Greg, mm. uh, but I want to wait for Greg to to address these um, himself. So, um, with that, you know, a couple minutes here. Is there a Anything, any other thoughts or questions or anything that you, you have, or, you know, you, you said you listen to the, the podcast, um, regularly. Um, are there, are there any things that you wanted to bring up and talk about from things that you've heard or listened to? Um, wasn't there, there, I feel like there was one other question. Oh, never mind. It's, it's from the other guy, um, <laughs> from the, the crotch there that you're going to let, let, uh, Greg well, I mean, if you want to, if you want to go ahead and, uh, take, take that real quick um but uh, you know i i eh, i don't i don't really feel like it's it's my place but uh, man i don't know what else i would feel like if, if i would have thought ahead of time i could have brought something to <laughs> to riff on but i didn't i didn't think of anything it's all good um we can go ahead and sign off now it's pretty good um like i said you know we're gonna we're gonna come back to these question and answer times uh, on and off and um, you know, hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully it inspired other points or counterpoints. We're never afraid of people disagreeing with us. Mm. Um, you know, we want to have uh, open dialogue with people who, who disagree with us. We want to make sure that mm. we're giving them a fair voice. Hopefully we represented everybody's views and positions well and answered them well. And mm. I think that's about it. So we're going to go ahead and sign off. And uh, if Greg was here, I'd mention him. But, Sean, you and I, we just rock the Casbah. Sans Dutcher style. Peace. These go to 11.